Well, I'm excited to be back together as the Christ Journey family on this beautiful weekend. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me, bless his holy name. And wherever you're making your connection with us, Kendall Campus, feel the love. We gather together today as God's family, Gables Campus, love you. So glad that we can be together, and especially on this Family Worship Sunday. Could we make some noise together? Wherever you are, let's lift it up. Amen. We gather as the family of God. He loves us as his own precious children, and we invite his blessing upon you. Wherever you're making your connection, those of you that are joining us online, would you lean in with your heart and let God touch you right where you are? And then consider this. Gather once again with us as we lift our voices together as God's people. Now, over the last few weeks, we have been unpacking these amazing I am statements of Jesus. And he has given me a sure word, a strong word, a good word today from the next one in that series. And it's a word of God with us and God for us. And imagine this, the greatest Christmas present you ever received, explaining its value and benefit to you personally. That's what Jesus does in the I am statements of Jesus. And haven't we been inspired and encouraged as we have listened to him tell us who he is and the difference it can make for us. So I want us to remember together. Would you repeat after me? I am the bread of life. What does he mean? He means your essential nourishment for meaning, for purpose, for vitality. He's saying, eat me up. Feel me come alive inside of you and strengthen you for whatever is coming. Then he said, I am the light of the world. Would you say that? I am the illumination, the illuminating change agent who when light is present, darkness is dispelled. And so he invites us to step out of the shadows and into his light Today, I am illumination for you. Then he says, I am the door. I am the door. Let's try it again. I am the door. I am the door. Boom. Okay. And that means he's our way out of trouble. He's our way in to safety. And he's saying, I am your access point to God's life, safe and secure. Have you opened your Christmas gift yet? Are you experiencing what he has for you today? And we can already see that the closer we get, the more we understand, the the deeper we feel his blessing and uh, the closer he brings us to himself in it. And what we also see is there is a story arc to these I am's. I don't know if you've noticed that yet. But today he shows us that when you walk through the door, you start belonging to the good shepherd. That's our I am for today. I am the good shepherd. Now, as 21st century dwellers, city dwellers, you know, that sounds pretty irrelevant to us right on the face of it. It's like, man, this is boring. Lord, what do you want me to do? Get up and talk about sheep in 21st century Miami? What is that? Um, And maybe it sounds irrelevant to you too because you have a picture like this come to mind. Gentle Jesus, meek and mild, long auburn curls resting on his shoulder. Uh, 
nestling a little lamb in his arms. He's all sweet and sanitary. Everything is so clean and sanitary. I got even some halo highlights in his hair. Can you see them? Uh, Boys and girls, can I tell you something? That nobody who heard Jesus say, I am the good shepherd, had this picture come to mind. It was not the image of a shepherd. I mean, here's the thing. Jesus, as good shepherd, when he said that, people would think like this. Hey, first, shepherds aren't that clean. Not this clean. Not like the picture clean. They're not sanitary. They live and work at street level. They're in the dirt all day and night. There were dirty sheep. So nobody would have thought what we just saw. Secondly, they love their little lambs, but they, they show it by fighting wild animals. King David was 15 when he entered the battlefield that day, and God used him to take down the giant Goliath. What's he say to convince Saul to let him onto the battlefield that day? You know, he was delivering like cheese sticks to his brothers. He's like the pizza delivery guy. And he was given his little duty to deliver cheese sticks. And he gets to the battlefield, and then he tries to convince Saul, you got to let me take this guy on. What does he say? 1 Samuel 17, your servant has been what? Keeping his father's sheep. This is like his resume. Yeah, for fighting the giant. He says, when a lion or a bear came and carried off a sheep from the flock, I went after it. I struck it, and then I rescued the sheep from its mouth, and then when it turned on me. See, that wild animal, now he's got the sheep, but now it turned on him. He said, when he turned on me, I seized it by its hair, I struck it, and I killed it. And your servant has killed both the lion and the bear. There's my resume. And this uncircumcised Philistine is going to be like one of them because he has defied the armies of the living God. What qualified David, who was 15 at the time, probably a teenager. We got any teenagers listening in today? Teenager, he said. (laughs) You've been hanging out with the wrong picture, you know. This is like, whoa! This teenager shows up and he says, what qualifies me to be a warrior is my success as a shepherd. Think about that. Good shepherds were known to have grit, courage when it counts, unfaltering courage when it's on the line. That's what he's talking about, his success as a shepherd. This is warrior grit. This is best job I ever had grit. This is leave it all on the field grit. By the way, did we see some awesome football this weekend? This is like, this is that, this is what it takes. You're in the red zone. You got to punch it through and you're going to score for the team. This is, I'm going to show up grit. That's what, when Jesus says, good shepherd, I'm a good shepherd. Don't think about the picture I showed you. Think about the David on the field of battle. That's what he's talking about. I'm the good shepherd. And I lay down my life. I put it on the line. I show up and take risks. Why? so that I can guide sheep out of danger, so that I can guard sheep in the midst of predators, and so that I can help sheep grow to their full potential. Not as sheep, but grow to be like their shepherds. See about that in just a second. Here's what he says. I am the the good shepherd, and the good shepherd lays down his life for his sheep. Now, Isis has been giving us some original art every week, and this is a depiction of of her portrayal of a good shepherd and his sheep. But I'm wondering for you, when you see what Jesus just said, is there anything that pops out to you? I'm the good shepherd and I lay down my life. It's risk. 
That's what we ought to hold on to. When you think about good shepherd, you're supposed to think about risk because every time Jesus says, I'm the good shepherd, he says, I'm laying it on the line. Risk. He lays down his life. Now, the first century shepherds, the first century listeners who had heard Jesus say that, they'd know that that's what it takes. For a shepherd to do his job, then you show up to lay your life on the line. This is like what we would consider today like first responder types. That's what a good shepherd is. It's like uh, EMS, a police officer, a firefighter, a healthcare worker during COVID who shows up, stands in the gap, puts himself in harm's way, and makes, this is the opposite of self-serving, self-preservation. Not my job. No, Jesus said, if you're going to talk good shepherd, then I'm going to show up and do the job. This is what it takes. The opposite of self-preservation. This is self-presentation to care for others. That's being a good shepherd. So when a wolf shows up, then the hired hand runs off and leaves the sheep vulnerable. Why? Because he doesn't care about sheep. He cares about money. Says, you can't pay me to do that. David says, you don't pay me to do that. I show up and conquer in God's glorious name. Jesus is saying something similar. Verse 14, it's because I care personally. I'm the, great shepherd, the good shepherd. I know my sheep. My sheep know me. That's personal. Just as the Father knows me, and I know the Father, and I lay down my life. There it is again. For the sheep. Now I have other sheep who are from other pen, and I'm going to bring them also. They'll listen to my voice. There'll be one flock, one shepherd. And the reason my Father loves me is because why I lay down my life. Oh, only to take it up again. You know, no one takes it from me. I'm not in here against my will. I'm coming on purpose. I lay my own life down, and no one takes it from me. I lay it down on my own accord, but I have the authority to lay it down and to take it up again. Why? This is a command I received from my Father, and we'll get to that in just a second. Jesus is saying, I'm a good shepherd. I think you could translate it this way. I'm your personal caregiving bodyguard. That's what he's talking about. I show up to protect people and get the job done. And I'm wondering, young people, could you use a personal caregiving bodyguard with the stuff you face in life? I know some of our older young people know the answer is yes. That's what Jesus is talking about. And what does a shepherd do? What does that mean? He says, well, I will know you personally. I get you. I know your name. I understand where you are. I understand where you're coming from. And I'm going to show up in the field that you need me. I care for you sheep by sheep. He doesn't just take care of a flock with a dog. No, he says, I know him personally. This is personal to me. And my goal is to guide you into good pasture, to guard you from predators, and then to help you grow into full potential. That's what a shepherd does. By the way, the sheep Jesus is talking about here, I believe, are not being raised for slaughter but for productivity for the master. Now, some sheep, like the sheep that we read about, the shepherds in the Christmas story, you know, when you get your nativity scene out and you put your shepherds there with the little sheep, those sheep outside of Bethlehem, scholars say those were raised to be offerings in the temple, offerings of worship in the temple. And when John the Baptist shows up and sees Jesus now full grown as one of those little sheep born in Bethlehem, <laughs> he says, look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. So Jesus was a sheep like that. He was offering himself on behalf of others. But now Jesus, as full-grown Jesus, is saying, 
uh, I'm a shepherd who knows what it's like to be a sheep. So I'm going to show up as a personal caregiver so that you can grow to full potential. Now, in most families at the time, sheep were cared for, for uh, and valued and ben- and uh, valued for what they could, what they were doing while living, not dead, living, giving, giving what? Well, they would give milk, they would give wool, they would give resource to sustain the family that they were a part of, and uh, so, what does that have to do with us? Well, here's my take. In each I am statements, we're seeing that Jesus Christ, as the greatest gift ever, is saying as we unwrap the I am's that he has what we need and that in him we can go deeper and reach higher and experience the value and benefits that he brings to our lives. But this is the first one that gets personal. Think about it. Jesus said, I am the bread, that's an object. I am the light, that's an object. I am the door, that's an object. But now he says, and I am the good shepherd. That's a person. He's inviting us into a personal relationship at this point. And one where he says, I'm going to care about you. I'm going to understand you. I'm going to call you by name. And I'm putting my life on the line for you. That's where he's taking us here. Good shepherds, see, aren't about self-preservation. It's not just give me my check and I'm out of here. It's I care for you, I care about you. They're about self-presentation. Like Paul writes in the book of Romans, he says, present your bodies a living sacrifice, living on behalf of others. And so good shepherds stand in harm's way for those that are in their care. Good shepherds model heroic love in action. That's what he's talking about. And they show up to do in order just to do their job. This is what they do. Good shepherds are generous with their lives. This are, you know, I'm working on this talk, and I'm thinking, this is like Denzel Washington in Magnificent Seven. You know that Western movie where he's called to bring his ragtag bunch to protect a town that was in danger of this wicked, evil guy that's coming in, and yet Denzel brings his crew in, and they show up, and they stand in the gap. They stand in harm's way. What Denzel is doing is showing us how to shepherd so that other people can benefit. I thought about the movie Fury. It's a military film, a war movie, about some guys in a tank that have placed themselves in harm's way because it's the command that they are there to honor. And they look around at each other and say, best job I ever had. And even as they were laying their lives down. That's what Jesus is talking about here. And he says, you know, a good shepherd, that's what comes to mind. The first thing he thinks of is I got to lay my life down. It's like if good shepherd is heads, then laying down my life is tails. They travel together. You show up to do the job. You lay your life down. Now, if I let you lay, lay some Greek definitions on you here. Lay, lay down your life simply means put yourself in a posture. He's saying, I put myself in a posture for what? He says, my life, my life here. Now, that's not the word bios from which we get biology or zoe from which we said the quality of life that never ends, the spiritual life quality of God. You know what word this is? Suke translates psyche or breath, breath. Jesus is saying this, I choose to posture my life so that every breath I take, I'm showing up for the sheep. That's, I think that's so cool. His life breath is all in to do his job for the sheep. 
I'm a personal bodyguard caregiver, and he presents himself life and breath so that others can find their breath of spirit, their soul breath. And then he says, and here's why, verse 18, the Father wants me to do it. This is how the Father is, and that's what he wants me to do. And so that's why I'm saying this isn't just talking about the cross. Jesus is going to go to the cross someday, yes, and then he'll go to the tomb, and then he'll rise from the dead, yes. But he's saying, no, this isn't about how I end my life. This is how I start every day. This is how I breathe every day. Every day I'm breathing for my sheep, for my people. This is everyday love in action being generous with his life for others. Risk-taking generosity is Jesus' day job. And I think he wants his sheep to see that. And then a few verses later, he tells us why. Now, can I get... I'm going to go into a dangerous place here. I'm going to take us under the hood and into some of the deep theology that we need the Holy Spirit to help us understand. Because here's where, but Jesus does it right here in the middle of this text is where he takes us there. He says, the Father is in me and I am in the Father and the Father and I, we're like one. That is the deep declaration of God in Christ coming to dwell among us. And he says, I'm just showing you when I live this way, I'm showing you how the Father is. The Father's in me. I'm in the Father. We're one. How do you believe anybody who says that to you? Well, then he tells us a little bit later, verse 25, he says, just look at the miracles. The power of Almighty God is showing through my expression of humanity. So you got to connect the dots on this one. I'm just telling you, from the outside, you see evidence. And on the inside, here's what I'm telling you. We are one. And then immediately the religious leaders get upset about that because it means that Jesus of Nazareth is claiming to be uniquely God's son. And they get all upset about it. And here's what they say. They say he's demon-possessed, that he's crazy out of his head, needs to be Baker-acted, that he's blaspheming, and he's an outlaw. He's a lawbreaker, and he's blaspheming, and nobody should trust his interpretation of Scripture. Well, what's Jesus doing in the middle of the ruckus? He's not intimidated. I'll tell you what he's doing. He's shepherding sheep. This is what he says. My sheep listen to my voice. I know them, and they follow me. Come on in this way. He's gathering sheep. He's guiding sheep. People in the middle of all that chaos... I'm telling you, good shepherd is more biker than babysitter. And Jesus is showing up in the middle of a hard place. He says, I give them eternal life, and they never perish. No one can snatch them out of my hand. What's he doing? He's guarding sheep. He's God's bodyguard on the scene. And then he says, my father, who he's just said, we're one, has given them to me, and he's greater than all. No one can snatch them out out of his hand. And we know he's putting himself in harm's way by saying that. Why? Because the next verse 31 says they picked up stones and started to stone him. And yet in the face of death, Jesus is speaking the words of his Father. He's doing the works of his Father. Why? Because he wants everyone who is listening and hears his voice to get to follow him as shepherd and become a son and daughter of God and know his Father. It's heroic love in action, which is the exact opposite of self-preservation. The good shepherd is being generous with his life. And so here's the takeaway. What I believe is the takeaway for us today. Um, It's that 
generosity. We'll come back to that. But generosity is the heart of this. As sheep, what do we know about being sheep? Nobody wants to be called a sheep, but we got it down pretty well because sheep are like pure consumers. That's what they do all the time. They just consume, 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 consume. And I'm thinking people are pretty much like sheep. We even say we have a consumer culture. And yet the shepherd steps in saying, here's what the good shepherd does. And he starts helping sheep learn how to become contributors. Verse 34, Jesus asked this, isn't it written in your law, you are God's? And that's the word Elohim in Psalm 82, verse 6. And where I'm going with that is, wait a minute, Jesus is saying that God has been so generous as creator God that he has given you his image. You're like offspring of the almighty God, like a little Elohim here. You've been made in God's image. You have been made to have dominion over the world that God gave you. And Jesus is saying, hey, the Father and I are one. So when Jesus speaks, he speaks on behalf of the Father as the Father in the Son. And he says, I'm just being this kind of shepherd because it's how my Father is. You want to know what God is like? Then understand that he is a personal caregiving bodyguard. And he's showing up in me with generosity. The Father is generous. He's generous with His image. He's generous in His posture. He's made us in His likeness. He wants us to hear His voice so that we can be restored to what we have lost because of the fallenness of the world. And it happens through risk-taking generosity. Didn't Jesus say so many times, if you seek to save your life, you're going to lose it. This is a life of self-preservation. Hey, watch out for number one. But he's saying, if you live that way, don't be surprised when you lose it all. And, st- and then he says this, but if you seek to lose your life for me and my kingdom, you will save it. Feels upside down, but he's saying, you know, I'm feeding my sheep so that, yes, you can consume, but then you will grow out of, into contribution, and you'll become like the shepherd. Consumers become contributors because they follow the shepherd, Jesus. That's where this is going. Now, the Gospel of Luke shows that happening several places, but I want to list two. Zacchaeus is one of them. Remember Zacchaeus? Short little guy. Jesus came to town. He couldn't see over the crowd, so he climbs up a tree, and he's looking down so he gets a good view of Jesus. Zacchaeus, what we also know is that he's filthy rich. He's a tax collector who uses, he can use Roman soldiers to extort money from fellow Jewish citizens. He can use them by threat and by force to pay up. So it's no wonder people hate him, you know. Everybody hates tax collectors, especially that guy. And yet Jesus is walking by and he sees him and he says, I want to come to your house today. So Zacchaeus hurries down, they go to his house, and after they have their time together, here's what Luke says, Zacchaeus says, Look, Lord, here and now I give half my possessions to the poor, and if I've cheated anybody out of anything, then I will pay back four times the amount that I, that I took. Jesus said, today salvation has come to this house, and this man, this man too, is a son of Abraham. You know what had just happened? Jesus shepherded Zacchaeus, right out of greed and into generosity. 
Is that what happened? Jesus shepherded Zacchaeus right out of consumer, it's all about me, into contributor. I'm going to think about everybody else. And then he says, he takes him, he says, not only I'm taking him out of lost sheep into Abraham territory, a risk-taking faith leader, full of faith. Jesus shepherds. Women were also marginalized in that culture, not given opportunity. They were degraded. They were oppressed spiritually, physically, socially, and they're not supposed to learn from rabbis. And yet Luke shows us that Jesus allows women to travel with him and with all the 12 disciples where they went. And some had actually been cured of diseases and evil spirits. Mary Magdalene had been freed from seven demons. Whoa. And Luke chapter 8, when he tells us that, Luke says, Dr. Luke, he says, you know, many women, many women were among the followers of Jesus. And then he says this, verse 3. Why did he say this? These women were helping to support him out of their own means. Where did that come from? Well, I'm thinking it was he's just showing that when you follow Jesus as your shepherd, you start growing to become like him. You start moving out of consumer and what you can do for me into how can I be a channel and a contributor of what you can do through me for others. So in fact, these women, every miracle Jesus ever did was underwritten by the gift of these women. He says they got to be a part of everything Jesus was doing. And Luke didn't want us to miss it. I saw the new James Bond movie. Don't worry. I mean, no time to die. I'm not, no spoilers here. But there's lots of surprises in the movie. But there's one place where M, Bond's boss, pays tribute to him with these words. The proper function of man is to live, not to exist. I shall not waste my days in trying to prolong them. I shall use my time. So it's a tribute to Bond who is always there for more than self-preservation. How many times has this guy put himself on the line, risked his life, puts himself in harm's way for a greater cause than simply himself? And that's what M was trying to say there. I think Jesus is talking about that spirit when he says, I'm the good shepherd. I'm not here simply to prolong my days or preserve my life. I am here for the good of others in obedience to God. Some of you are financial minds. You know what a fiduciary is. A fiduciary is someone who acts on behalf of another, putting their client's interests above their own. They oversee the care of resources so that the benefits can come to others, not to themselves. That's Jesus here. He's a spiritual fiduciary. Jesus says, I posture my life every day with every breath I take for the benefit of others. And I want you to hear my voice and get in on that. And he places himself at risk being generous. And then he invites his sheep to do the same thing. So it seems to me that this is an appropriate place for me to say thank you to every one of you, every person, Christ journey, uh, Christ follower, who, because you were willing to take the step of faith and risk to be generous with your church allowed us to underwrite all the ministries that took place through our church during this difficult year. It's been a hard year. It's been scary. It's been uncertain. I just want to say thank you that in your consuming, 
which we continue to do, you also kept on contributing, and I'm very thankful to you, and I want to say glory to God for you. Now, at the same time, I also want to say this. As you have helped others find hope through this church, it's also appropriate for me to say, if you have found yourself this year pulling back from contributing, I also get that. I understand that. It's been scary. It's been uncertain. It's like, how does this work? It's a very human thing to do. But I also need to tell you, brother, sister, Christ journeyer, that if you are moving out of contributing and into a pure consuming model, you're not following the shepherd's example. Self-preservation, instead of presenting yourself to God for the good of others, is not exactly obedience for followers of Christ. Jesus said that he chose this generous posture with every breath he took. He chose heroic love in action. Why? Because the Father told him to. That was the pure reason, verse 18. The Father told me to. The Father commanded me. He didn't say because it was easy. He didn't say because it never got too hard. It didn't say because I had figured it all out. He just said, I'm showing up to do the job, and doing the job means I lay my life down. And when I risk in obedience to the Father's command, he blesses. The word actually, you know what happens? Godly generosity always generates life. Now, um, if, if uh, me talking about finances really like is off-putting to you, then this would be a good time just to tune me out and to start thinking about what you're going to do as soon as you get home. Um, but if you want to follow Jesus as your good shepherd and then take up the challenge of opportunity that's before us, then I need to tell you this. Rachel Cruz is a 33-year-old spokesperson with Dave Ramsey Financial Ministry. And I heard her this last week. She says, during COVID and the substantial disruption to income, stress levels are up across all generations. Boomers, Gen X, millennials, we could probably all say, yep, amen to that. I understand that. She said that, that the uh, savings rate went down, that the credit rate went up, and the giving rate went down. And then this is what she said. As a practicing millennial, she said, among practicing Christians, 25% of millennials, 20% of Gen X, reduced their giving or stopped during COVID and they haven't returned. I think that's sad. And why do I think that's sad? I think because when you move from contributor into consumer, then you're like kinking your own hose. This is what I'm seeing uh, in my mind, that you're stopping the flow. When you say, oh, everything's got to come in and I'm going to really not let anything get out, then you know what that's called? The Dead Sea. And nothing lives in the Dead Sea. So I know, I mean, this is dangerous territory. I know, I know, I know. But there's a place, when everything flows out and, and everything flows in and nothing flows out, life doesn't happen there. And I know we also have families here today. Can I just ask you by a show of hands, how many of you want to raise a purely selfish kid? Oh, just a few. <laughs> That's very American, I understand. A purely selfish kid, but it looks like the vast majority of us say, no, that's really not what I want around the house. A purely selfish kid, you know, who feels entitled and everything is about them and they got to get it and keep it and then, no. None of us want that. 
So here's where I'm going. If you feel stuck and you need greener pastures, Jesus is saying, follow your shepherd and give. Don't just be a consuming sheep. Learn to be a contributing sheep and shepherd. Faith is the antidote for fear. Generosity is what cures greed. And if you, and now somebody's already wondering this because you're way ahead of me. You're thinking, what does the church do with that money? And here's the simple answer. We spend it, we honor the budget that you voted in last year for this current year. Every gift that we receive goes to meet the needs of people through the budget of our church. And you didn't ask this, but I'm going to go ahead and tell you, I don't have a private jet. (laughs) Every gift, however you give it, Venmo, PayPal, whatever your giving of choice is invested in ministry for people. We spend the money on sheep. And so, just so I could be really clear, I asked Jose to put a chart together for us so that you could see that out of every dollar given this past ministry year, 56 cents went to support our 35 staff who lead the ministries. 56 cents. 20 cents out of every dollar goes to help with operations and facilities. 15 cents to ministry programs across every agent stage. And then 9 cents to missions beyond. And that percentage includes all the above and beyond gifts that get beyond our walls and into the the hands and lives of the needy. And the reason I'm telling you that is because with every gift comes Jesus' promise of regenerating life. Give and it will be given. It'll be given to you, pressed down, shaken together, running over, poured into your lap, the measure you use. You see that. And I'm thinking that today, young people, that promise applies to people under 18 as well. It applies to 15-year-olds. It applies to 12-year-olds. It applies to 8-year-olds. If a parent is seeking to shepherd a child into learning the secret of generosity, then the time to do it is now, especially during hardship, so that God can show you and give you glory of a story. Are you an investor? Jesus says your gift is an investment. Invest in the kingdom of God. Now somebody's wondering, how did we get to this from, a sto- from the good shepherd? Help me out here. How did we wind up in it? You know, is it over yet? It's really simple. Let me just connect the dots for you. The good shepherd wants you to know and follow him personally. I know my sheep. And then he wants you to grow to be like him in receiving, consuming, and releasing, contributing generosity. And then it raises this question. Does a sheep lose anything when it gives wool or milk that won't come back? What are you doing with your life breath? Spending it all inwardly. Are you learning how to breathe like Jesus said, every breath I take is about what's happening beyond me. And I can tell you, not everybody's going to understand if you do. When you start being generous, people are going to think you're crazy. That's what they told Jesus. You're crazy. You got a demon. You don't get it. I don't know what world you're living in, but it's not this one. And he said, you're right. (laughs) Let me show you a different world. Because my sheep hear my voice in the clamor of all those other voices. 
and they still choose to follow me. Would you pray with me? Savior, like a shepherd, lead us. Much we need your strong care. So I'm praying today for people who are struggling with what I've just said right now, struggling with me, feel like I've messed with something. And I pray that whatever the hurt and hardship or struggle is there, that you would bless them, that you would bring your freeing truth to them and just fill them to the point that it's overflowing and that they can see how it works. I pray for somebody who's having trouble paying their bills, somebody who's having trouble finding a place to live, somebody who's looking for a job. Help us, Lord, as our church to be there for one another. And we pray your blessing upon each financial need. We also ask, Lord, that you would open our eyes wider to experience who you are personally and feel your strength being our bodyguard today. Lift us to life on another plane. And maybe that's your need today. You'd like to know Jesus as your good shepherd. You've been religious, but you can't say that you've ever heard his voice or followed, but something is stirring for you today. If this is your moment, you can join me in this prayer. Lord Jesus, thank you that you came to be my good shepherd and lay your life down for me. And I receive that gift. Cleanse my sin, fill my soul. I receive you and trust you and invite you to help me grow to be like you. If you just prayed that prayer with me, our heads are bowed. But if you'd let me invite God's blessing upon your next steps of faith and just raise your hand for a moment where you are. And if you're joining us online, you can click there. Kendall, you know our pastor is watching and praying with you now. Lord Jesus, for every uplifted hand signifying an open heart, we pray that you will fill their mind with peace, their heart with grace, and lead us as we follow you, our good shepherd. Amen.